Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to It's Rainmaking Time. This is Kim Greenhouse. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Dr. Bruce Fife. He's the author of the new book, Stop Alzheimer's Now, How to Prevent and Reverse Dementia, Parkinson's, ALS, Multiple Sclerosis, and Neurodegenerative Disorders. He is also the author of Coconut Cures, The Coconut Oil Miracle, The Palm Oil Miracle, Coconut Water for Health and Healing, Cooking with Coconut Flour, a delicious, low-carb, gluten-free alternative to wheat, Virgin Coconut Oil, Nature's Miracle Medicine, Eat Fat, Look Thin, Coconut Lover's Cookbook, and Coconut Oil, the new health food of the 21st century. He is considered one of the renowned experts and pioneers in the field of understanding this miraculous oil. Many of us have had it and not known that we're actually having coconut oil. Some of us are just beginning to hear about it. And many, many years ago, people started to become afraid of coconut oil because saturated fats all of a sudden were demonized in the medical and scientific field. Dr. Bruce Fife is going to explain to us and share the marvel of the coconut. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Dr. Bruce Fife to its rainmaking time. Good morning. Good morning, Kim. Thank you for inviting me. One of the things I'm excited about is not only do I love coconut oil, I have to tell you, that's my bend. I use it on my skin. I take two to three tablespoons a day as of the last few weeks. I just love the way it makes me feel. And the fact that there are cures and this can be used for prevention and detoxing and all these good things, it almost sounds too good to be true. So I don't want this to sound like an infomercial, but is it too good to be true? Well, you know what? You're right. There are so many health benefits associated with coconut and coconut oil that some people do kind of get the idea, well, this is too good to be true. But, you know, I've been studying this for about 15 years, and I'm still learning about some of the wonders that coconut oil does. Uh, and it, and it, it's amazing the many things that it can do. Now, um, I admit it can't do everything. So, you know, uh, it won't cure everything, but it does have so many health benefits um, that it's fantastic. Let's talk a little bit about what's in coconut oil, the MCFAS, the medium chain fatty acids. Let's talk about that and explain that to the public because most of us don't know. We've never studied this. Yeah, and that's very important because that's the key that separates coconut oil from every other oil on the market. That's what makes coconut oil um, the healthy oil that it is. Uh, basically, um, fats and oils are made of fat molecules called fatty acids, and you can classify the fatty acids into three basic categories depending on their size or or the length of their carbon chain. And so you have long-chain fatty acids, medium-chain fatty acids, and short-chain fatty acids. And about 96 97% of the fats and oils that we normally eat every day are composed of the long-chain fatty acids. So corn oil, for example, is composed completely of long-chain fatty acids. So is soybean oil and canola oil, uh, even um, lard and things like that are totally long-chain fatty acids. 
But coconut oil is unique. It is composed predominantly of the medium chain fatty acids. And this is important because our bodies respond to and process each of the fatty acids differently depending on their size. So the physiological effects of the medium chain fatty acids in coconut oil are very different from the long chain fatty acids we normally get in our diet. And these medium chain fatty acids have special properties, health promoting properties that long chain fatty acids just don't have. I usually use two to three tablespoons a day of olive oil in my salad just because I love it. And I get virgin olive oil. But I know it's not a medium chain fatty acid. What is it? It is a long chain fatty acid. Olive oil is 100% long chain fatty acid. And there's nothing wrong with long chain fatty acids. It's just that it doesn't have the benefits of the medium chain fatty acids. What is it, Bruce, where people are concerned about oils going rancid? And that's a very important question, too, because the more polyunsaturated a fat is, the more um, likely it is to become rancid because the more polyunsaturated a fat is, the more delicate it is, the more easy it is to oxidize and become rancid. So oils such as corn oil or soybean oil actually go rancid very easy. In in fact, they start going rancid the day they are extracted from their source because heat, uh, oxygen, and sunlight are the three main things that uh, cause oxidation of these oils. And so once they're removed from their source, they're exposed to oxygen, they're exposed to heat uh, and to light, and so they start oxidizing And when they oxidize, of course, they go rancid. Um, But what's worse is that during this process, they um, start forming free radicals. And free radicals are very highly reactive molecules that basically um, attack our molecules in our body. And is one of the main um, things that uh, researchers are um, crediting with aging. So the more exposure a person has to oxidized fats and oils, the faster they actually age. So your skin will start becoming more wrinkled. It will start developing aging, the brown little aging spots. These are all signs of oxidized oils in the body. So a lot of us who are using the olive oil, should we beware? What does it mean? Well, the benefit with olive oil is it's a monounsaturated, so it's it has uh, it's more stable than the polyunsaturates, but it's not quite as stable as the saturated fats. Saturated fats, all saturated fats, are very stable. They don't oxidize very easily, and so in that respect, it, the saturated fats are excellent storage oils. They're excellent um, cooking oils. Uh, the monounsaturates like olive oil are in between. Um, you can use them for cooking low temperatures or for salads, which is what they're best for. And you should never, ever, ever cook with a polyunsaturated oil. Even though they are sold for that purpose, once you stick them in the pan and you expose them to heat, heat's one of the things that oxidizes them. And when you expose it to the, the heat on a stove, the temperature goes up and the acceleration of oxidation 
is phenomenal. And so anytime, anytime you cook using a polyunsaturated oil, you are consuming a very large amount of these free radicals that are actually destroying and aging our bodies. That's fascinating. So in this case with olive oil, and I'm staying on this just because so many people use it, that is a monounsaturated oil. So how does olive oil oxidize or what is the risk of putting that in a pan? Well, olive oil, like I said, is a little bit more stable. And so I actually prefer to use it as a salad dressing. Using it cold is the best way to use olive oil. However, you can use it a little bit for very low temperature cooking, but I wouldn't do any moderate or high temperature cooking with olive oil because it will oxidize. What about butter? Butter, even though it has a low smoke point, it is more stable because of its high saturate content for cooking. Very interesting. I'm sure that people are thinking about this as we're talking, which is why I'm asking you. Let's talk a little bit about the Pacific Islanders. Coconut oil has been part of and integrated into their entire lives, used on their skin, eaten as part of so many of their meals, and they're relatively thin. Why? Well, you know, there's an interesting group of studies that were done in the uh, late 1960s, and what the researchers did is they looked for um, islands that were relatively isolated from uh, Western civilization, and they found these two islands, Pacific Islands, where they didn't get much um, produce or much um, foods shipped into them. So they were pretty much were sustained on their traditional diets. And they went in and they researched the types of foods that they were eating, the nutrition they were getting out of it, and their health status. What type of diseases were they developing? And what they found some interesting things. What they found was that these people were consuming up to 60% of their total calories as fat. And about 50% of it was saturated fat. And most of that came from coconuts. And so here you have the American Heart Association telling us that we shouldn't eat more than 30% of our total calories as fat. And these people were getting 60% of their calories as fat. And when they examined their health, they found there was no evidence whatsoever of heart disease. They also had no cancer. They had no diabetes. They had none of the so-called uh, diseases of modern civilization. And so this was an interesting study in that it showed that a high-fat diet, even a high-saturated fat diet, particularly from the coconut, was not harmful. In fact, it was probably one of the things that helped protect them from all the modern diseases that we experience here in this country. Now, the islanders also had a lot of sunlight, right? Yes, and that's another uh, way that coconut oil comes in. One of the traditions... Uh, of the islanders is that on the day a baby is born, the mother will put coconut oil on its entire body, lathered up, and then every day after that, the mother will do that, and then as the child grows older, he will start doing it himself and do that until the day he, they die. Um, and the coconut oil not only is soothing and therapeutic on the skin, but it is the original sunscreen, sunblock lotion. And so they can go out into the hot tropical sun wearing almost nothing 
and they don't get sunburned, they don't get skin cancers, they don't have problems because the coconut oil is a protective layer on their skin. Bruce, do you think it's also because if they're out in the sun all the time, they have established a baseline of melanin where they have a darker skin? So there's like a baseline protection, or am I wrong about that? Well, I think that plays in it too. You know, coconut oil is the only type of sunblock that I use. My skin is very fair, and if I get out in the sun and I stay out more than 15 minutes, I get a sunburn. But if I can put coconut oil on my skin, um, I can go out into the sun for four or five hours. Now, in order for me to do that, I usually have to kind of season my skin. And the way I do that is I put coconut oil on and I go out into the sun for maybe a half an hour the first day. And then a day or two later, I'll go out again for a half hour or 40 minutes. And in about two weeks' time, my skin has seasoned to the point that I can put coconut oil on in the morning. And in the tropics, I can go out and stay in the sun all day long, and I get no sunburn. My skin is great. It doesn't sound true, although it sounds real. It sounds interesting, but it doesn't sound like an oil would protect you from the sun. And I think a lot of people would have a hard time accepting that. What do we do? Well, you know, the coconut oil doesn't work like a sunblock. It's totally different. Sunblocks block the UV radiation, and this isn't actually good for the body because we need the UV radiation to produce the vitamin D, which is so essential to our health. And most Americans are vitamin D deficient because they're afraid of the sun. So they stay indoors all the time. They're in a car or some vehicle during the day. You know, they're hardly ever out in the sun. When they are in the sun, they put on sunblock to block the rays, and so they've become uh, vitamin D deficient. The advantage with coconut oil is it does not block the UV rays. It allows the UV rays to come in and produce the vitamin D so that we can be healthy. But what it does to prevent sunburn and cancer is that it blocks um, the formation of free radicals, which causes a lot of the pain of sunburn and which is the primary cause of skin cancer caused by UV radiation. So it works on a different principle. Why isn't this all over the world? What you just said should be all over the world if it's true. Why isn't it? That's one of my goals is to spread it all over the world. And, you know, in the tropics, the people that use the coconut oil, they're familiar with this. They know that it works. It's just us people who are not accustomed to using coconut oil all the time. It's new to us. We don't know about it. I want you to explain to us the distinction between Coconut oil, virgin coconut oil, regular coconut oil, it can be confusing in the health stores and markets. Right. When you go to the store, you'll see different labels. You'll, some of the labels you'll see would be uh, virgin coconut oil, or you may see extra virgin coconut oil. And you see that with um, olive oil, too, you know, virgin and extra virgin, all these. Um, basically, there are, are two types of coconut oil. There's the virgin oil, and then there's the... Um, RBD oil, refined, bleached, and deodorized oil. And when you see a label that says virgin coconut oil or extra virgin coconut oil, it's basically the same thing. And what that is, is it's coconut oil that is extracted from the coconut oil with very minimal processing. So it's as close to nature as you can get it. It retains all of its uh, vitamin content, 
Um, it retains its coconut aroma and flavor. Now, the RBD, or the refined bleached and deodorized coconut oil, has gone through more of a refining process, and the, the aroma and the flavor has been removed, so it's, it's pretty much tasteless. Um, sometimes when you go into the store, you'll often see it labeled as expeller pressed. This is the same thing as an RBD, refined, bleached, and deodorized coconut oil. Now, both of these type of oils are good and healthy because they both contain the health-promoting medium-chain fatty acids. Personally, I prefer the virgin coconut oils because I like things that are closer to nature with as little manipulation from human processing as possible. But I will still use the expeller pressed oil uh, now and then for whatever uh, because it's still a healthy oil. Now, I guess there's actually a, a third type of oil, but you can't buy it in a bottle, and that's hydrogenated coconut oil, which is used in industry. So you'll see it as an ingredient in some processed foods, but the average customer can actually go in and buy a jar of hydrogenated coconut oil. I want to go back a little bit to the islanders who don't get heart disease, the fact that they use it in their day-to-day lives in a number of ways, both on the skin and internally. But I want to talk about obesity and overweight because when I first heard about coconut oil, it was from Dr. Ray Pete out of Portland, Oregon, who wrote articles about this and really recommended it strongly to people who were dealing with hypothyroidism and who were not able to take off weight, who were carrying too much weight. I don't want to say too much about it. I really want you to lay it on the line. I know you've written a whole other book about this, but I'd like you to talk about this because in Coconut Cures, Preventing and Treating Common Health Problems with Coconut, on page 39, you talk about a study at McGill University in Canada about how I think it was a woman who lost 36 pounds in a year by adding coconut oil to her day-to-day regimen. And it was pretty impressive. Now, I realize that you can't just eat a bunch of junk and then add coconut oil and think everything's going to be okay. But for people who eat pretty well, who do take care of themselves, I'd like you to talk about this study, if you would. Well, yes. Actually, um, there's been several studies on this. McGill University um, has done uh, a number of studies on obesity and weight loss using um, coconut oil or similar oils that are high in medium-chain fatty acids. And basically, coconut oil, what, what the research has shown is that coconut oil can be a useful tool in helping people manage their weight or as a treatment for obesity. And the figure what you um, mentioned there is is what these researchers um, came to was that if a person who is overweight replaced all the oils in their diet that consisted of the long-chain fatty acids with an oil that was composed of medium-chain fatty acids, that they could lose up to 36 pounds a year without changing anything else in their diet. So they could eat just as much as they were eating. They could eat the same type of foods that they were eating. All they would have to do is change the type of oil they were eating to accomplish the weight loss. 
Now, coconut oil, there are actually three things that coconut oil can do to help promote weight loss. And one of these things is that coconut oil actually has fewer calories than other fats. So when you replace, um, say, corn oil with coconut oil, you're actually reducing your calorie consumption. Uh, another uh, reason that it helps with weight loss is that it is very satisfying. When you add it into foods, it will satisfy your hunger so that you don't feel the need or the want to eat as much during the meal. It will also um, keep hunger pains uh, away longer between meals so you have less of a tendency to want a snack between. And so at the end of the day, you actually end up uh, consuming fewer calories but still feeling satisfied. And then the third reason and probably the most important reason why coconut oil can help with weight loss is that it stimulates metabolism. And so when you eat a meal with coconut oil, your metabolism is kicked up a notch, and so you are burning off calories at an accelerated rate. And so, again, by the end of the day, you've burned off more calories, so there are fewer calories left over to be converted into fat uh, to add to weight. And it's really interesting because they've, they've done research on, on the effects of coconut oil in boosting metabolism. And in normal weight individuals, they've found that uh, a single meal containing the medium chain fatty acids will increase metabolism in a normal weight individual by 48% boost in metabolism. In overweight people, the boost in metabolism is 65%. So the more overweight a person is, the more effect the coconut oil has on boosting metabolism and then helping them uh, lose this excess weight. Now, this effect isn't uh, seen for just an hour or two after a meal, but research has shown that after a single meal containing uh, medium-chain fatty acids, the metabolism is elevated and remains elevated for a full 24 hours. So for 24 hours, uh, metabolism is burning at a higher rate, and you're burning off calories at a higher rate. So all these things combined together help. Um, you can use coconut oil for uh, a weight loss program. And for the best effect, I would recommend that coconut oil be added into a low-carb diet for the, for the best weight loss effect. If you combine coconut oil with a weight loss or with a, a low-carb diet, you will experience the, the greatest amount of weight loss. How come you think it is that many island people who live a lot on fruits and vegetables and rice, maybe on fish and other things, are able to be so thin? Well, you know, um, part of that is because they incorporate coconut in their diet. And so because of all these things that I mentioned previously with metabolism and everything, it helps to satisfy their hunger so they don't overeat. Uh, it also gives them energy because when your metabolism is boosted, you have more energy, and so they can become very physically active. And then, again, when you're more physically active, you're going to burn off more calories, and that will also help with your uh, weight control. I was told that for people who take thyroid, that when you begin to add coconut oil into your daily regimen, 
that you have to check your levels of thyroid because you may not need as much. That's right. And this is, goes back to the metabolism part. When you take the coconut oil, it boosts your metabolism. And so if people who are on um, thyroid medication, uh, that's one of the things that the thyroid medication does is boost their metabolism. And so when they add coconut oil into their diet, it may boost their metabolism too much. So they have to monitor um, their thyroid medication and many people can reduce that or even completely get off thyroid medication um, by incorporating coconut oil in their daily diet. It's pretty remarkable. Yes. I've taken thyroid since I was a little girl, and I'm experimenting with this right now and watching it very closely. I'm going to have my levels checked in about a month. Okay, great. See what's happening. I love the evidence-based science. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about other people's concerns about their blood cholesterol level, fears about saturated fats, making that more difficult for people, the confusion around that. What's your take, Bruce? Yes, and that's the primary concern people have when they learn about coconut oil. They have this fear of saturated fats, and coconut oil is a very highly saturated fat. But coconut oil does not have a detrimental effect on the heart. It's actually a heart tonic, and it doesn't have a detrimental effect on cholesterol. People are always worried about cholesterol. So let me talk about cholesterol a little bit and concerns with coconut oil. When, Please. When, when someone adds coconut oil into their diet their total cholesterol levels may rise a little bit or even fall a little bit. But either way, it doesn't matter because when people start eating coconut oil, what happens is that it increases their HDL, their good cholesterol level. Now, according to researchers, the higher our good cholesterol or HDL level is, the better, the more protection we have against heart disease. And that's what happens when you eat coconut oil. It actually increases the HDL. So in some cases, total cholesterol will actually go up, not because of bad cholesterol, but because the good cholesterol is increasing. And you can't, you can't really um, gauge the risk of heart disease based on total cholesterol. And the reason for that is because total cholesterol includes both the HDL good cholesterol and the LDL bad cholesterol. And you don't know how much of each one contributes to the total. And so they've come out with a a better indication. That's the cholesterol ratio. The cholesterol ratio actually uh, determines, you know, how much of each is in the total. And when people incorporate coconut oil into their diet, the cholesterol ratio actually declines, indicating a reduced risk of heart disease. In fact, coconut oil has more of an effect on the cholesterol ratio and in reducing it than any other type of fat in the diet. So if you want to use cholesterol values as your um, measurement of heart disease risk, then coconut oil protects against heart disease better than any other fat in the diet. That's impressive, but what do you think then about fish oils? Fish oils are totally different from coconut oil. They don't have 
the special medium chain fatty acids that coconut oil have, um, the omega-3s in the fish oil, what they do is they're converted into prostaglandins uh, in the body, uh, which help reduce uh, inflammation, which is always associated with heart disease. They help thin the blood a little bit, which is associated with heart disease. So it works on a totally different principle. But you're an advocate of fish oils too, right? Or not? Fish oils. Um, People are I like mixed fish about oils this. In that you need some of the essential fatty acids. And fish oils, if you're going to get your, your omega 3s, fish oils are the best place to get them. They're more efficient than the plant omega 3s. They're like 10 times more efficient than the plant um, omega-3. So if you're going to get the omega-3s, get them from fish oils. Uh, you can also get it from eggs and grass-fed beef. Interesting. When you say that coconut oil is a heart tonic, is that because of what you just described with regard to its contribution to the cholesterol ratio? Or something else? It's primarily to due to that. But, you know, a lot of people don't realize that the heart muscle, the energy, or the, the um, fuel used by the heart is primarily saturated fats. The heart runs on saturated fat. It doesn't want polyunsaturated fats. It doesn't want monounsaturated fats. It runs on saturated. That's the fuel that the cells in the heart muscle used to generate energy. And this is totally surprising to most people because they don't realize that. And so the coconut oil provides a very easy source of energy for the heart muscle. That's exciting. It's really exciting. Yes. Because this is a manageable thing that the average person can do. It's doable. Definitely. And, and, you know, this isn't just theoretical uh, scientific stuff, but this is practical. You see this stuff every day. If coconut oil, you know, being highly saturated, actually did contribute to heart disease, it would be extremely easy to verify this. And the way you do that is go to those areas in the world where people rely on coconut oil as their primary source of fat and see how many of them are dropping dead with heart disease. Well, they've done that. They've gone and they've researched this, and they've found that those people who eat the most coconut oil have the lowest rates of heart disease in the world. They're, again, proving that coconut oil does not promote heart disease, and if anything, it protects against it. So even the people that are taking CoQ10, which I know is a whole different subject, would also benefit from using just plain coconut oil? Definitely, yes. Let's talk a little bit about the antiviral and antimicrobial impacts in fighting infections in the body. This is very interesting to me. Talk about it. Yes, I found this very fascinating, too. When I first began doing research on coconut oil, this is one of the topics that kept coming up time and time again because uh, it's an important topic, and a great deal of medical research has gone into this area, into medium-chain fatty acids and their effect on microorganisms. And what um, the research has shown is that these medium-chain fatty acids possess very potent antimicrobial properties, antibacterial properties, antiviral 
uh, antifungal properties. And so when you eat the oil, um, they provide a degree of protection against these infectious diseases. In fact, what's interesting is that the medium-chain fatty acids in coconut oil, um, the same type of fatty acids are also in human breast milk. And one of the purposes of the medium-chain fatty acids in human breast milk is for the protection that it offers the newborn against infections. So human breast milk contains um, antibodies against certain diseases, but there's a a wide spectrum of other diseases, uh, potential diseases available or or child is exposed to. And it's the medium-chain fatty acids in the breast milk that protects the newborn infant for the first few months of their lives against the typical diseases that they come in, in contact to because a newborn infant, their immune system still isn't fully functional and developed. It's still developing. So the medium-chain fatty acids provide this support while the baby is growing and developing until it can handle uh, fight-off infections on its own. So the, the same fats that are in coconut oil are the same ones that you find in human breast milk. This really should be mainstream understanding. It should. And, you know, when I was doing my research, that's, that was going through my mind. You know, here I was coming across all these studies that are showing these wonderful things with coconut oil and the medium-chain fatty acids. And I was realizing, you know, that ordinary people just don't know about this. This is stuff that just these researchers know about. And no one's... No one's disseminating this information, and that's what led me to write my very first book on coconut, The Coconut Oil Miracle, to tell people about the marvelous things I had uncovered in the medical literature. I think it's really exciting that by using the coconut oil, you can also dissolve kidney stones. That really sounds kind of wild. Explain it to us. Well, you know... Coconut oil can help with that, but you know what's even better than that is the coconut water. There has been more research on with using the coconut water and dissolving the kidney stones. Um, and, and people that are listening may not understand what the difference between, say, coconut water is from coconut milk. When you go to a store and you pick up a coconut, one of the brown, hairy coconuts in the store, and you shake it, and you hear the swishing sound in the middle of it, that is not coconut milk. Uh, A lot of Americans refer to that liquid as coconut milk, but that's incorrect. What's inside a coconut is actually coconut water. And if you break the coconut open and you pour that out and put it into a glass, it is pretty um, transparent. I mean, it looks pretty much like regular water. Coconut milk, on the other hand, um, is made from the meat. You take the meat from the coconut and you crush it and the juice that comes out of the meat is the coconut milk. And a glass of coconut milk looks just like dairy milk. It's very rich, very creamy. It's pure white, just like milk. So the appearance, the taste, the texture, uh, even the health properties of coconut water and coconut milk are completely different. And one of the benefits of the coconut water is that it can help dissolve Uh, kidney stones, and researchers have even suggested that uh, to prevent uh, the reoccurrence of kidney stones in those people who have 
already had them, is to drink one to two glasses of coconut water a day. Wow. Wouldn't you say that most people don't know how to cut into a coconut? In other words, access into the coconut, unless you're from these island places, is not that easy, or is it? Well, it does uh, require kind of a technique to do that. When people go to the store and they buy one of these brown, hairy, hard coconuts, I mean, it's, it's, it's a thick, heavy shell, and it's not easy to break open. And the typical way to do that is to get a hammer and start pounding on it. And, you know, that will work, but it takes a lot of elbow grease. Uh, in the islands, uh, they have a very easy method, and they take it, and they, they, there's a, a circumference, you know, the equator. You locate that, and then you take, um, say, a machete, and then on the dull side of the machete or a knife, they hit it sharply right on the, the equator, and it will crack the coconut. And it may take two, two hits, and you could crack the coconut in half, and then you've got two equal-sized halves, and then you can scoop out the meat that way. That's the easiest way to do it. Don't you lose the water if you do it that way, though? You do if you don't drain it first. So what I do is I poke a hole in in two of the eyes and then drain it first before I crack it open. Got it. I knew there was some type of an art to this. Yes. And then you've got the um, green coconuts. If you've gone to the store, they'll sell Whole Foods has those. Yes. And they're little white. Sometimes they'll even call them white coconuts. Right. Um, and these are actually immature or young coconuts, and the purpose for these is mainly for the water inside. The water in the young coconut is sweeter. It's better tasting than that from the mature coconut. In the tropics, um, the natives, they don't drink water from the mature coconut. They only drink it from the young coconut. And so when you go to Whole Foods or one of these health food stores and you buy one of these white coconuts or young coconuts, the technique of opening is different because the white coconut still has part of the husk on it. And uh, it's a little hard to describe verbally, but basically you, you, you set the coconut on your countertop on the flat part of the coconut with the point sticking up, and you take a knife with a, a big butcher knife, and right at the... Uh, by the handle where the knife begins, there's a, um, a big L shape, and you just hit the coconut with that part of the knife, and it will break through. And you hit it about four or five times, and you can cut off the top very easily. Um, there are actually um, YouTube videos that show every step, and you can get into a, uh, a young coconut in about um, easily six to ten seconds. It's that easy. Wow, that's a science. <laughs> what do you think about taking the young coconuts for their water and putting them in these materials for people to buy, like taken out of the coconut? What's your take on that? Are you talking about the commercial coconut water? Yes. Um, I live in Colorado, and we have a hard time getting good, fresh coconuts here. And so um, it's easier just to go and buy the little bottled, canned, or tetra-packed um, coconut waters that way. And I think they taste pretty good, actually. Do you think that, you know, with juices, if you don't drink the juice right away, you can lose the minerals to oxidation? Is that true with the coconut or no? 
You know, I have not seen any studies that have actually analyzed the nutritional content of a fresh coconut versus a commercially packaged coconut. I am certain there is probably some loss of, of some nutrients, but I don't know how much. Uh, I know that the fresh coconut is packed with a lot of good, helpful um, ingredients, and how much of that is lost with a commercial one, I don't know. What's in the water? Is it potassium? Potassium, it's very high in potassium. It has twice the potassium that a, a, a banana has, so it's a very good source of that. It has uh, all the electrolytes that our blood has, and so that's one of the reasons why it is promoted as a, um, sports, a natural sports rehydration beverage because it replaces you know, the natural salts in our blood very quickly. I know that you gave a whole list of, depending upon your weight, how much of the coconut oil you should eat a day. But what, like two tablespoons in the morning if you're a certain weight and two tablespoons in the afternoon? Or how does it work? Well, you know, if you want to get a little more scientific, you can, you know, calculate that out. But generally what I recommend is that people take between one and three tablespoons a day and they kind of determine for themselves how much they want depending on their likes, their dislikes, how well they can stand it. Because, you know, when you add coconut oil in your diet, a lot of people aren't, you know, accustomed to eating coconut oil or any oil. And so adding more oil, it takes them a while to get used to it. I put it in my mouth and I drink water down and it's done. That's because you're probably used to it a little bit, but Mm -hmm. some people just can't put it in their mouth. And so I recommend that when people start using coconut oil, they just use it in their cooking. In any recipe that that calls for butter or margarine or vegetable oil or shortening, I tell them to replace that with coconut oil, one for one, and use use it in their cooking. They can also add it into foods that don't normally aren't normally prepared with oil. For example, you can add it to oatmeal in the morning or to soups or to stews or to curries. You can put it into hot beverages. So you can use it as a um, spread on breads. You can use it like you would butter, put it on vegetables. And, and Some people put it in their protein shakes. Yes, you can put it into protein shakes, smoothies, um, things like that. So you can Put it in just about anything you eat. And, of course, um, you can also take it by the spoon. I do that when I feel I need some coconut oil and I haven't been using it in my cooking. I'll just take a spoonful and put it in my mouth. This is a well-kept secret for those who are constipated. Yes. Um, coconut oil, actually, if you take you know too much more than your body's accustomed to, it will very much loosen the bowels, and that's one of the side effects for people who are just starting out, that they say, oh, I want all the benefits of coconut oil, and they start eating four tablespoons a day, they'll notice that they um, start developing diarrhea, and what they need to do is back off, uh, maybe try one tablespoon a day uh, with foods, and then uh, gradually build up. And so for, for maintenance, what I, I suggest is one to three tablespoons a day, and then people that may have... Um, some serious health problems that they want to address, uh, they can increase that to four or five and even up to six tablespoons a day, depending on their um, condition. 
you seem to, I'm not going to say you feel, you have written a correlation between fiber and cancer and how they're linked, and I wondered if you wanted to speak about it for a moment. Well, in, in my book on um, coconut flour, um, to define coconut flour, basically coconut flour is coconut meat that has been dehydrated and defatted and then ground into a powder, kind of like a, like a wheat flour, and you can use it in baking. Uh, the benefit to the um, coconut flour is that it doesn't have any gluten, so people who are allergic to wheat or people who cannot tolerate gluten can use coconut flour to make baked goods. And one of the other benefits to the coconut flour is that it's very high in dietary fiber. Um, it has twice as much fiber as wheat bran. Not wheat, but wheat bran. But it tastes a whole lot better than wheat bran. It doesn't taste like cardboard. It tastes like a flour. And so when you make a bread with it or muffins or, or something with it, it actually tastes like tastes good, you know. And if you took... If you taste the coconut flour, it doesn't taste like coconut. It's pretty bland, pretty tasty. Just like if you took a, a, a pinch of wheat flour and put it on your tongue, it tastes pretty bland and tasteless. The same thing with the coconut flour. It tastes pretty bland by itself, but when you mix it and you make something out of it, then it takes on the flavor of whatever you're trying to make. So if you want to make a chocolate cake, you can make a chocolate cake out of it. If you want to make a... Um, a lemon cookie, using it, it'll taste like a lemon cookie. It won't taste like a coconut lemon cookie. It'll just taste like a lemon cookie. So um, because the coconut flour is a very good source of fiber, it's also healthy. You know, we're told that we need to add more fiber into our diet because the typical American diet is very low on, on fiber because we eat so much refined uh, carbohydrates, the refined flours that we're not getting enough um, fiber. So coconut flour uh, offers a way we can boost our fiber intake. And research has shown that the fiber helps in many ways, and one of those is reducing the incidence of colon cancer. You know the older man that was on the island that you used to know that eventually passed away? Paul Sorcy, I think, is who you're talking about. That was about. so healthy, and he shared with you all about the marvel of the coconut. Can you talk a little bit about him? Well, this man uh, was born in the Philippines, and uh, he learned from his um, parents how to make coconut oil like they've done for hundreds of years. You know, and it's very easy. You can do it even in your own kitchen. You know, try to do that with corn oil or, you know, soybean oil would be probably impossible. But you can do that with coconut oil. And so he learned to do that. And then um, this was back around the, the turn of the 19th, you know, the, the 20th century and, uh, when he was uh, young. And uh, this is when the United States owned the Philippines back then. And he joined the military, the U.S. military, and he became a cook and he got into cooking, and after, after the military, he um, came to the United States, and he made his living a lot as a, as a cook. But he also um, continued to make his coconut oil because he knew the health properties of it. 
he generally made it for his own use. And he's one that he would um, put it on his from head to toe on, on his body every single morning because that's what he was accustomed to uh, when he was living in the Philippines. And he continued that habit throughout his life. And uh, eventually, people that he would come in contact with, he would start talking about the wonders of coconut, and they would want to start using it. So he would give them some coconut oil, and they would start using it. And then they would come back, and they say, wow, this is great stuff. It helped me overcome this problem and that problem. And so he started selling um, little batches of coconut oil and actually started a business of selling coconut oil. And this was after he retired. He was in his mid-60s or something. He finally retired, and he started selling coconut oil. And he did this for another 40 years or so. Um, he lived to be 102, and he ate coconut oil every single day of his life and, and helped many other people with various health problems um, by, by give, giving them coconut oil. This was his calling. It was, yes. I mean, I tell the whole story in the book. And right. And tell about certain uh, instances where people had certain health problems and he, how he cured them using the coconut oil. How did you meet him? Well, it wasn't actually me that met him, but it was an acquaintance of mine. And so the story in the book is written. Um, he actually wrote it, so it's from his perspective. Got it. You had said that of the many things you have listed, coconut oil really helps with blood sugar and diabetes. And since there's such a high incidence of this, can you share why it helps? Well, there's actually a lot of reasons why. One of the basic ones is if you include coconut oil in a meal, um, what it's going to do is it's going to help slow down the digestion of the sugars into the bloodstream so that they go into the bloodstream at a slower rate. So it will help moderate blood sugar levels that way. Um, other ways is that research has shown that coconut oil um, also helps improve insulin secretion so you get better insulin response. It also helps improve the cell's um, utilization of glucose, or in other words, it helps to reverse insulin resistance. Insulin resistance is the primary cause of type 2 diabetes because the cells aren't able to absorb the glucose because um, the insulin has become ineffective. Well, the medium chain fatty acids in coconut oil um, resensitize the cells of the body so that they are able to use the insulin to um, bring in the glucose, which is very important because, you know, that's the basic um, problem with type 2 diabetes is insulin resistance, and coconut oil helps to reverse that. And uh, it's interesting. Um, when I first um, published my very first book on coconut oil, I had a, a man call me up, and he told me he was diabetic, and he, he was reading my book. And uh, he started taking um, coconut oil every day. And he said that within about 10 days, um, he, the feeling in his feet had returned because, um, you know, one of the symptoms of diabetes is the loss of feeling in the feet. And it took him about 10 days of using coconut oil in order that caused reversal of that. And he probably hadn't had feeling in his feet for several years, and yet just 10 days on coconut oil reversed that. And I thought that was fantastic. But since then, many other people 
who are diabetics have contacted me and reported the exact same thing. Once they start taking coconut oil, in about two weeks or so, it actually reverses these symptoms caused by their diabetes. How interesting. At what point do people experience a potential detox situation in the body when they're, let's say, having two or three tablespoons of coconut oil a day? Why do they detox and what does this mean? That, that's an interesting question because, you know, sometimes people, you know, they learn about the health benefits of coconut oil and so they start um, taking coconut oil and then their health gets worse. They start coming down with, with flu-like symptoms or they start developing rashes or they, they get diarrhea or constipation or vomiting, upset stomach. Um, or any other type of symptom, and they kind of think one of two things. Either they're sick or they're allergic to coconut, and neither one of those are the case. And what's happening is they're detoxing. Coconut oil has a very potent uh, detoxing effect on the body. It helps the body cleanse out toxins and poisons, and that's what's happening during a detox. The body is actually becoming healthier. It's becoming strong enough to remove the accumulation of toxins that have been building up in the body. And the only way to remove it is either through the mouth and, you know, the ways of normal ways of elimination. And so through the skin, you know, diarrhea, all these type of things may, some people may experience when they start adding coconut oil in their diet. Now, some people may experience it uh, the first time they use coconut oil, while others it may take a month. And in others, they may not experience any detox symptoms at all. So it's very variable depending on the person, how toxic the person is, and how much coconut oil they're actually taking at a time. I thought that was a very interesting part of having coconut oil being part of your daily diet. What are the challenges that you've had as an author when you first released your studies and your research about coconut oil? What kind of challenges have you faced personally and professionally? Well, you know, when I was writing this book, I knew from the very beginning that I would have a hard time because the first book I wrote, you know, came out like 12 years ago. And back then, no one knew anything at all about coconut oil. The only thing, when someone said coconut oil to them, the first thing they thought of was saturated fat, heart disease. And so I knew I had this, this problem that I was going to have to overcome. But I knew that coconut oil was so good and had so many health benefits that I had to tell people about it. So um, I did publish the book, and it was really kind of hard to get people to read it because they would look at coconut oil, uh, the miracles of coconut oil. You know, um, they couldn't understand how a saturated fat could be healthy, and so I couldn't get any reviews for it. People, you know, poo-pooed the book, um, but what I had going for it is that if I could get someone to read the book and they did see all the evidence because I put in all the references to the medical studies, everything in that book was based on the research I found from medical um, studies and from my own experience. And so uh, it was very scientifically based. And so if someone read the book, they would become a, a convert. In fact, um, one story is I, I gave the book to one of my neighbors, and uh, 
he was a little reluctant, but once he read it, he became very excited. He started telling other people. And he went to his nutritionist, who has a, a Ph.D. in nutrition, and he said, oh, you've got to read this book. And she looked at it and said, no, that's just someone's opinion. I don't believe in it. Well, you haven't even read it. And he said, no, I'm not going to read it. And, he, and so he, he kind of forced her, you know, to accept it and to read it. And so he came back a week later and said, did you read that book? And she hadn't read it. And he said, you've got to read this book. And she resisted. And basically he, he kind of twisted her arm, and so she promised to look at it. And so he left. And then, you know, just to satisfy him, because she knew he was going to ask her next time he came back, so she was starting to flip through it, and it kind of caught her eye, and so she started reading it. And as she was, she was very uh, chemistry-oriented, and I, I have some very basic chemistry in there about the medium-chain fatty acids. And she went through that and says, well, yes, this all makes sense. This is true. And it sparked her interest. And so she read it from cover to cover in about two days. And then she started calling me up and says, I read your book. It's fantastic. I want to know more. And so from that day forward, she started recommending that book to all of her clients. So she became a convert. And that's what happened, uh, basically by word of mouth. If someone read the book, then they became a convert. And it just kind of ballooned from then and kind of spread out. How interesting. I think this will take many people by surprise. I do, too, because, you know, we've mentioned some of the health benefits, but we haven't even covered all of them. I mean, there's many health benefits, and we haven't even gone into real, you know, detail on some of these. And the book contains the details, and, and it's fascinating. Were you nervous a little bit to write about how effective it is with curing things? Because, you know, you're not, quote, allowed to say anything cures anything in the United States of America. Basically, yes. Um, but, you know, we do have some freedoms, and so I could, you know, take some steps in that. And before I even wrote the book, I used it on myself, and I recommended it to other people, and I saw the benefits it was doing to other people. Um, you know, I've, I've seen it clear up hemorrhoids, stop bladder infections, remove cancerous and precancerous skin lesions, help people lose weight, uh, give people more energy. I mean, I saw these things um, before I actually wrote the book, so I knew that they were effective and that they worked. Explain what a naturopath is and does. Well, basically, it's uh, like a doctor, but instead of using drugs and surgeries and and radiation and harmful things like that. We only use non-harmful uh, modalities. For example, we uh, use diet, we use nutrition and exercise, uh, body work uh, to treat the patient. Okay, because I think a lot of people don't know what a naturopath is and does and how a naturopath is distinct from a regular MD. What are your plans for the future, Bruce? Well, you know... Um, I wrote that first book, and I thought that was probably going to be my only book on coconut. But um, I've continued to research coconut, and as I've done so, I've uncovered more interesting things about the coconut and what coconut oil and other coconut products, you know, co like coconut water and coconut meat can do. And so that led me to write additional books, uh, either on coconut or 
on health problems in which coconut can be part of the solution. Uh, for example, arthritis. I have a book on arthritis where uh, coconut's not the full solution, but it's part of the solution. And most recently, uh, my book on Alzheimer's disease, which is um, really interesting because this is fairly new research that has been done about the medium chain fatty acids and actually how they affect the brain and how you can not only prevent Alzheimer's but actually reverse it. And this is really exciting. And so I'm doing more research in this avenue. Well, that strikes a chord with me because I lost my mother to Alzheimer's. And even with all the anti-aging modalities of so many nutraceuticals and amino acids and all the things that are out there, she had been too long in it to reverse it. So I'm looking forward to reading that book. Is there anything else you'd like to say? I really appreciate you being on today. Well, I'd just like to say if anyone has interest in learning about these these uh, benefits of coconut, uh, come to my website, which is www.coconutresearchcenter.org. It's an educational website, nothing sold on the website. It's just to educate people about the health aspects of coconut. It has articles and discussion group and other things on it that's very educational. Thank you so much for being with us. I'd like to have you back to discuss some of your other books. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, we have been talking with, learning from, and listening to Bruce Fife, the author of Discover the Healing Power of Coconut, Coconut Cures, Preventing and Treating Common Health Problems with Coconut. He's also the author of many other books, the new book, Stop Alzheimer's Now, The Coconut Oil Miracle, Coconut Water, Virgin Coconut Oil, Eat Fat, Look Thin, Coconut Lover's Cookbook. And actually, ladies and gentlemen, it goes on and on. Bruce, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for inviting me, Kim. My pleasure.